This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. And then I'm going to begin this morning in Revelations chapter number 5. Revelations chapter 5. This is one of those days I got thousands of thoughts going through me right now. So the Lord, I believe, will channel some of my thoughts here this morning and just want to speak to you about the kingdom of God a little bit. You know, when we talk about Easter, the week, things begin to take place throughout the week from last Sunday to this Sunday. But just here briefly, the reason I'm starting in Revelations 5 today is I want you to see what's going on in heaven right now. This is what takes place. So we begin verse number 5. But one of the elders, and the elders here are representative of the faithful overcomers of the church that are already glorified. They're already in heaven. These are people that have been here on the earth that ran the race that was set before them. And now they're in heaven with Jesus right now. And so he says, these elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the root of David, Jesus, has prevailed. Not that he's going to, but he's already done it to open the scroll. Now, when you talk about the scroll, the scroll is the redemptive plan of Father God. To open the will of Father God. And so this is what he's talking about here. And he says, and it's to loose the seven seals. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Stood a lamb. Now, if we went back to the book of John chapter 1. There was a man of God who came on the scene. Better references John the Baptist. And John began to say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And he began to water baptize people. And they began to ask him, are you the Christ? And he said, no, I'm not the Christ. I'm not even worthy to loose the strap on the side of his sandals. And in John 1.29, Jesus approaches John and John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when you see right here that the reference of the lamb that was seen in heaven, it's referencing Jesus. And back to John 129, it says, the lamb. There is no other lamb that can take away the sin of the world. Your sin or my sin, but the Lord Jesus. And so he says, and a lamb, as though he had been slain. And so right now in heaven, Jesus is is in the midst of all the ones up there that are worshiping. And it's very evident that they said it's as if he had been slain. You know what this speaks to us? His scars, the nail prints, the beating on his back. They will forever be in heaven. That every time we look at Jesus... His his scars will remind us he's the victorious one. This is what he's done for each of us. Keep reading with me. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers don't fall on deaf ears, okay? 
when we pray to Father God in the name of Jesus, it's as if our prayers are like incense that go before Him. Keep praying. Keep praying. He's hearing them. Verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. For you were slain. Not that you're going to be slain. You were already slain. And you have redeemed us. You have purchased us to God by your blood. The blood of Jesus still speaks today. And when we talk about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus wasn't some 90-day, same-as-cash warranty. The blood of Jesus is for eternity. Forever, that blood will speak. And we can wash ourselves in that blood today. And he goes on to say, Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, this tells me that salvation just isn't limited to a few, but it's for every one of us. And have, not going to, but have made us priests to our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth or over and upon it. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands and thousands. And if you'll note there, first he talked about the angels, and second he talked about the people that will be in heaven. And they were worshiping. And they were praising. And he goes on to say there, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now this is a glimpse for each one of This is what it's going to be like in heaven. There's going to be a lot of praise and worship. And you know what? We might as well learn to practice while we're down here because that's what we're going to get experience in heaven. The presence of God. And so you get a little idea what's happening there. Now, to go with the whole Easter week, it started last week on Easter Sunday, on Palm Sunday. But as the week went on, things began to take place. And on Friday, we noted as Good Friday. And that's where Jesus was beaten. Jesus was bruised. He was crucified. And Jesus' last day here on the earth before he died, he pardoned his tormentors, the religious leaders. He pardoned the Romans, the military, and also the political side. And then Jesus took care of his mother. He made sure it was okay with her before he left. And then one of the last acts that he did before he died, he forgave and saved the thief that was next to him. It's interesting to me that Jesus' last, his expressions here on earth were still always about people. And then he was crucified. Romans 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. There can be no dismissal of sin. No release of bondage. No quality of canceling out our judgment without the shedding of blood. Jesus did that. And remember about 3 o'clock, it's when he died and he said, it is finished. 
And then he hung there on that cross, a public spectacle. Galatians 3.13 says, Cursed is he who hangeth on a tree. And Jesus became a curse for me and you. And then he dies. So what happens after that? What was Jesus' Saturday like? Well, the Lord Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, The Son of Man will be three days and nights in the belly of the earth or the belly of hell. And so when Jesus died on that cross, Friday about 3 o'clock, he descended into the lower chambers of the earth. What did he do while he was there? Well, let me just briefly read this to you. This is just a couple pages back. This is Revelations 1 and verse 18. And it says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades or hell and death. And so when the Lord Jesus left this earth on that Friday, not only did he die physically, he also died spiritually. And he went to the depths of hell for me and you. And while he was there, according to Colossians 2.15, he spoiled, he disarmed principalities and powers. The Bible said he made a public spectacle of them. He paraded them. And then when he exited hell, he had the keys of, of death and Haiti with him. He took you, thank you. All because of his blood, his broken body. You know, there's things in this world that we can put money to them. New car, 50, 60, 70,000. New pair of Jordans, $210. I don't know that's a fact. I'm just saying that, okay? A new Versace purse, $500. The blood of Jesus, priceless. Priceless. And so we go past Saturday. And we come to Sunday morning. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And everything begins to change here on Easter Sunday. On Sunday morning. And I'm going to read this morning in John 20. And then after we get done there, I'm going to go to the book of Matthew 28. And I'm going to read it there also because there's some different uh, words in there that I think will help us this morning. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And one of the reasons that, that this story here in, in Matthew, or Matthew 28 in a minute, but John 20, becomes so alive to me, that the first person to go to the tomb and actually to even talk to Jesus after he was risen from the dead was a woman named Mary Magdalene, a known sinner, a woman that he had cast seven demons out of. You know, it's interesting right here that in Luke 7, the Lord Jesus said this, To whom much is forgiven, they love much. 
And here you have this woman who was forgiven of much. Again, this highlights why Jesus came to the earth. He didn't come for perfect people. Keep reading verse 2. Then Mary, she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, which was John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. And he saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. He saw the place where Jesus had previously been. But the reason he believed is he thought back that all the different times that Jesus had said, I'll rise from the dead. Jesus said it in Matthew 12, he said it in Matthew 16, he said Matthew 17, in Matthew 20, every one of those, I'm going to rise. And when John looks in there and sees he's not there, John remembers. For as yet they did not know or they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus is laying. Therefore they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. Here was a woman that was a tremendous sinner at one time. And she identifies Jesus right here as my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. Now I believe the tone that he said that in. Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. I believed at that moment that she recognized Jesus' voice because all the time she had spent with Jesus. And it's interesting right here that we must note today that Jesus drew near to this woman who had previously been a great sinner But yet he loved her enough and he saved her that she responded to him. He not only drew near, he knew her. And I believe today he still does those things. I believe he draws near to each one of us and we sense him in our hearts at times. And and he calls your name. But here's the key. Do I regard him as Lord? Just like Mary did? See, back in Matthew 16... Jesus asked his disciples, he said, Fellows, who do men say that I am? And some said, well, they believe you're a prophet. Some say you're a priest. Some say you're John the Baptist. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? 
And Peter said, you are the Christ. And in this same situation, this woman named Mary believed he was the Christ. She believed he was the Lord. And so Jesus had saved her. Jesus had forgiven her. And Jesus had also had taken a woman who had no purpose in life and now gave her purpose. He still does those things. It's what he did with me. He saved me. From much sin. And for 20 years of my life, I didn't feel like I ever had really any purpose. Why am I living? I had to ask this this question to myself. There's got to be more to life than how I'm living. And you know what? Just like Mary found out, I found out that Jesus is Lord. That something happens when I make Him the Lord of my life. And listen, your sins don't disqualify you. Many of you will remember years back, the great evangelist, he's still alive, Billy Graham. At his altar calls, they would sing the song, come, just as you are, come. And that's how Jesus still does. See, many times we have the thought, well, I'll come to Jesus when I get my life all straightened out. You're not going to get it straightened out without him. And the way you are as a sinner, he's aware of that, but he said, you know what? I died for the sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Go with me to the book of Matthew 28. Matthew 28. This is the same passage, but just a little bit different. There's some things I really want to highlight. Verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Do you know there had been two great earthquakes that weekend? The first one took place about 3 o'clock on Friday when Jesus died. And the second one was the resurrection of Jesus that the grave couldn't hold him. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and he rolled back the stone, and the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could escape, but believers would see that he was gone, that he had risen. So the tomb was rolled away. There was a woman who taught a bunch of kindergartners and first graders in Sunday school. And she was telling the story about the the tomb being rolled away. The stone rolled away. And she asked, does anybody in here know what that means? And this little boy raised his hand and she said, yes, tell us what it means. And the little boy looked and said... It means that Jesus saw his shadow and there'll be six more weeks of winter. That's not why the tomb was rolled away. The heart of a child, though. So the tomb was rolled away. It said, the Lord, and behold, there was a great earthquake from the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and he rolled back the stone from the door. And the angel said on that, that stone. I believe when the angel said on that stone. He was mocking death. Death you're not what you used to be. You don't have the fear you used to have on us. Is what he's representing here I believe. And he goes on to say this. 
And his countenance, this angel, was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, became they came like dead men. You can imagine this weekend that here these guards are assigned to guard this tomb. Don't let him escape. And now the, the, the stone is rolled away supernaturally. And as these guards are sitting here and they see these, these massive angelic beings that are, are shining and their countenance white as snow, and I think I'd probably fall over like I was dead too. And he goes on to say, But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. In other words, don't look for Jesus among the dead because he's not dead. He's risen. And this is one of the reasons we celebrate Jesus, the resurrection. One, that he died and he paid the price for us. But number two, there is no other religion in the world where their Savior can say he's risen. And he's alive and he's still alive. And it goes on to say, As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And so Jesus over and over and over and over had warned them. I'm going to rise. And he did. And you know what else Jesus has said numerous times throughout the scripture? I'm coming back again. I'm going to come back again. And I believe that's going to happen again. And the ones that are born again will spend eternity in heaven. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that when we see certain things, we understand what they represent. Like when I look at this cross right here, uh, the cross signifies someone was crucified, someone that was, was dead or has died. And every one of us in this room when we go past the cemetery or a graveyard, we understand what that represents. I had one of our teenage girls with us one time and we were in the van and we passed the cemetery and I said, do you know people are just dying to go there? She kind of looked at me like a 15-year-old would. And I said, you know how many people out there are dead? And she said, no. And I said, all of them. Why do I highlight that? Well, when we see a grave, a coffin, we understand. It signifies death. And if Jesus doesn't come back, and I believe he's going to come back soon. I really do. I believe that with all my heart. But if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, when our journey here on earth ends, every one of us are going to die. Every one of us will face the grave. Not a bad thing. If you know Jesus is Lord of your life. I understand this completely right here. That there's many of you in this room. I'll officiate your, your burials. Ooh, they won't be boring either. We're going to shout. We're going to scream. We're going to hallelujah. Why do I say that? 
Well, I believe many times that we have this fear of death. And that may be you today. You, you literally are gripped by the fear of dying. I, I want to comfort you a little bit through the scriptures. And I'm going to read this in the New Living. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to put some hope in you today through these scriptures. I'm going to start in verse 54. This is the New Living Translation. It says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. See, every one of us in here are eternal beings. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I read that right there. When I die, it's not the end of the story. Actually, it's just the beginning. When we understand we're going to live forever. And the reason I say it's the beginning, because when we die and we go to heaven, we go to a place where there's no more sin, there's no more sickness, there's no more disease, there's no crying. But the only person that can decide their eternal being is you. It's you. And just as this woman named Mary Magdalene said, Jesus, your Lord. That's the same for each one of us. You don't get to heaven by good works. You don't get to heaven by being a perfect attendance in church, even though church is a good thing. I get to heaven only because of Jesus Christ. That's the only reason. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.